the rest of us will be in the book of Ephesians, as we have been for a number of weeks now, finding ourselves in Ephesians chapter 4. All right. So, we are currently in the application half of the letter to the Ephesian church, and Paul is teaching Christians how they are to walk and live in their newfound life in Christ. And this week, he's going to do, uh, clarify, okay, what it looks like to transition from that old life in sin to the new life that is found in Christ. And as we see him talk about this, uh, he talks about it in a very deliberate manner. He doesn't just say, hey, you need to stop being bad and you need to start being good. He could have said that and said that, you know, you know the rules, the rules still apply and go do them. Uh, He intentionally does not say that. It's way more complex than that. He's trying to, to, to bring along these believers and help them see what their new life was really character, or their old life was characterized by, and how they can live out of their new identity that is found in Christ. He's helping them draw these connections and and think in the truth and to, to love Christ and to remember who they are in Christ, that their obedience might flow from that. And so, as we read this, uh, if all you hear is, stop being bad and try to be good, uh, listen harder and listen more deeply. And, and we want to get more deeply into these things that we understand actually where sin comes from and, and why why we used to walk in the way we did, and what is now offered to us in Christ. And the hope is that we would transition from this old life of futility and ignorance and hardness of heart and deceit and greed and sensuality, that we might cast off that old man and take up this life of fruitfulness, knowledge, truth, fullness, holiness, and righteousness, that is created by the Holy Spirit through Christ. We put off the one and put on the other, living out of who we are in Jesus Christ. Let's read Ephesians 4, 17 through 23. Now this I say and testify in the Lord, that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds, They are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to their hardness of heart. They have become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. But that is not the way you learned Christ, assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him as the truth is in Christ, as in Jesus, to put off the old self which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds, and to put on the new self, created after the likeness of God, in true righteousness and holiness. Let's pray. Father, as we read these things, we are reminded of who we are without you who we are without the work of Jesus Christ, without that amazing grace that we sang about. And Father, we ask that we might walk 
not as those who are still carrying around that dead man, that dead woman, the dead self that we have been freed from, but that we might walk in newness of life. Father, would you show, show us the, the reality of what that old life was, and would you give us a vision for walking in a way that, that looks like Jesus Christ and that lives out of all the truths that have been given to us by grace? Would you help us? Would you teach us? We pray in Christ's name. Amen. All right. So like we've been saying, uh, chapter 4 was this great shift. 1 through 3, we're talking about uh, all these things that are just true of us. And now chapter 4, how are we going to walk in light of all of those truths? And it started uh, in, the, in the positive sense, that we are the people, we are the church, a unified body. And that we are humble and gentle and uniquely gifted so that we might build one another up and become this one body united together and growing into the fullness of God in true maturity. And it's this beautiful picture of the Christian life. And now, Paul shifts and he gives the negative. Do this. Do not. Do not walk as the Gentiles walk. Verse 17, Now this I say and testify in the Lord. He's a witness. He's, he's pleading with the people that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. All right, this is kind of ironic because what are they? Who are these people that he's talking to? These are Gentiles. And he knows that they are Gentiles. A couple chapters ago, we were saying that, like, hey, remember, you, you used to be Gentiles. This is huge. This is important. But now he addresses them and says, you know what? That category doesn't apply to you anymore. You are this new person in Christ, and you are to walk as a new person in Christ, and, and not as. Now, the Gentiles, who, who are they aren't even identified with anymore. And it probably felt strange to them because... Well, okay, so I'm not supposed to walk as, as myself. And Paul would say, no. That's exactly what I'm saying. Do not be who you used to be. And you cannot simply go about the Christian life now being who you always were and doing the things that maybe felt natural to you for so long. Very importantly, you can't look around at the people around you and simply follow. That the cultural practices that were normal, the, the habits of the day, the normal life of Gentile non-believers in Christ could not be the standard anymore. They are to no longer walk like that. And I remind us that as he says that, he reminds us that we are to leave our old lives behind. And it is no longer fruitful to simply look around and say, well, okay, everyone does this and that and this, and I'll just follow suit. That is a bad technique for figuring out how to walk the Christian life. And so, uh, Paul wants to solidify, okay, what, what is it that characterizes the walk 
of these Gentile non-believers, these people that you used to be but are no longer, he says that they fundamentally walk in the futility of their minds. In the futility of their minds. He doesn't say that they were walked in, in evil or they walked in foolishness or they walked as enemies. No, it's, it's more careful than that. He says that their minds were futile in their thinking. As I think about this, okay, let's say, uh, let's say I sat down, or most of us sat down, to, to sit and read ancient Chinese. All right? We could, we could go through the motions and stare at the characters, and what would it prove to be? Futile. Futile. You would get nothing out of it. I would get nothing out of it. I know I wouldn't. And the, the act of doing it would not benefit me at all. It doesn't result in, in anything beneficial. The futility of my mind, my ignorance, prevents me from getting anything out of it. And what is Paul saying? Paul is saying that for the non-believing Gentile, when they go to think about moral choices... And the things of God and the things that are best, that they're equally futile in their thinking. They don't come to anything that resembles real fruitfulness. It's like as if there's a, there's a thousand choices and it's, okay, choose the ones that are going to result in life and meaning and purpose. What are the things that are best for you? they wouldn't be able to distinguish them. And to think about which ones are best and which ones are better, uh, they pick the wrong ones. They do not find the greatest joy. They do not find the things that lead to life and purpose and meaning. So much so that Paul describes them as darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God. All right. Now, this may seem overly derogatory. And there's non-believers here probably like, well, no, that's not, that's not how I feel when I'm sitting around making these choices. And All right, bear with me. But take two people. One believes in eternal life and the other one does not. Their decisions are going to be different. And you're asking, how do I make the most of the time? If there is eternal life, then we think about the, the consequences and the, the eternal ramifications and the things that extend on for, for all of eternity. For the one who doesn't believe in those things, then there really should be more of an immediacy, a, a more smash-and-grab mentality because there's, there's not much life to left. And there are not permanent, everlasting ramifications. And so, as you're looking at the choices ahead of you, you're going to choose differently. Or what if, what if one believes in a moral God who exists and has revealed all truth and life and the path that is best for humanity and the, the great purposes behind his creation of them? Or someone who is saying that God created, or sorry, that, that there is no God who created that 
chance resulted in a humanity that has to create their own meaning and create their own purpose and, and find their own happiness in the dark. All right, they're going to make very different decisions. This isn't supposed to be a, an attack on the non-believer. It's just a, the reality that our faith informs our decisions and the way that we think. And as I say that, Paul, Paul is wanting us to understand that right, if you are a Christian, you have to take these things into account. And that's why you can't just go follow the, the Gentile life because these things are not taken into account. If there really is eternity before you, then you're going to make different choices. You're going to live differently. There's a different path to life. And if you really believe that there's this God who loves you and who created humanity for a very specific purpose and then laid out the path of life and joy and peace and then we should walk in it. When we think about what to do, we should think, oh, I, I should follow the path that is set before me. I should seek the life that has been revealed to me in Christ. I have a God who lavished the riches of his kindness and the immeasurable greatness of his love upon me. Maybe I should listen to him. Now, this is the hard part. Paul says, yes, there's ignorance and there's futility of the mind. But behind that, he sees a hardness of heart. And he says that Gentiles are futile in their thinking because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardness, their hardness of heart. They have become callous. Now, this is the, the hard reality of where all of us are in our sinfulness. Now, say, say you were, had never taken a Chinese class, then, then that illustration earlier, your ignorance of Chinese would be innocent. All right, but what if you had Chinese class every day? And out of spite for the teacher... Out of your hatred for your Chinese teacher, you refuse to learn Chinese. And every time the teacher tried to instruct you and, and help you, no, I, I, don't want to, I don't want to learn that. I'm going to find my own way. And none of the rules apply to me, and I don't want any of that. Then your ignorance is not innocent. It is wanton. It's deliberate. And the fact that you can't read Chinese is actually a manifestation of your rebellion against all of the things that, that you should know and have been taught. And that, that is what Paul is saying is true of the non-believer. That as they approach God, they see things they don't want to see. And as he is laying out this path of life, everyone in their sin sees that path and realizes, well, no, that's a path of submission. 
And that's a path where God is in the center and I'm on the outskirts. And where it's not about me getting all of the worship, it's about God getting all of the worship. And that's where my joy is found. And my meaning is not able to be created. It's, in fact, it's given to me. And my meaning is not in what I make of it. It's in the fact that I am a worshiper of God. And we all, left to our sin, we fight against that. We find that as constricting, we find that as insulting, we find that as belittling. And in our sin, we reject it. And so it is not just saying, no, I, I just, I can't see God. Paul says to the, or, uh, sorry, Jesus says to the Pharisees, he says, all right, why, why are you blind? It is blind because you have closed your eyes. Now, as I say that, believers are not immune to that reality either. That we can hear from our God and he can lay out the path of life before us and we can willfully and ignorantly and with hard hearts refuse to walk that path. I think of one of the, uh, a comedy sketch. All right, and here I'll set, setting the scene. All right, there's a, this group of people uh, suburban people in a living room and they're all in a circle praying. And they're praying and they're saying, God, God, reveal yourself. Show us what you want us to do. And we'll do it. We just want to see your face. We just want to hear from your voice. Show up. All right, and this light, this light starts glowing in their ceiling and, and a voice from heaven calls out and it says, Sell all of your possessions and give them to the poor. Come follow me. And then you will know the riches of my glory. And the people, they all look at each other. And they go, a demon! <laughs> and they all go, a demon, a demon! And they run from the house screaming. All right. <laughs> That's the reality of the human heart. All right, what do we want to hear? We didn't want to hear that. All right? And so what do we do? We, we run from it. And that's where oftentimes uh, we don't play fair when God reveals himself. We don't really listen. We see the things that we're called to do, and we, we run away, or we explain them away, or we, we close our eyes to them. And what is Paul saying? Paul is saying like that... That is not a, a faithful way of, of walking. And that doesn't take into account that you've been created as a, a royal people and a people greatly loved. And you've been called to things that are eternally great and with everlasting meaning and purpose. And yet we go running from them because we don't want to hear it. We can be just as willful, just as blind, just as ignorant. And Paul is saying there's, there's no place for that.
and we go on. All right, so there is futility, there's hard-heartedness, and as a result, there is sensuality. Verse 19, they have become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. All right, so what is this? This is this descent from humanity as they're created to be as the glorious image bearers of God, reflecting his holiness. And there's this kind of like corruption and an animalization of humanity and so that they are reduced to their sensual desires. That because they cannot and will not, we will, in our sin, we, we also, uh, do not want to follow God and don't want to find purpose and meaning there and do not want him for life, what is left but idolatry and sin to find meaning in death, to find life in sin, and to be thrown about by every desire, unable to find the real purpose of who we are and what we're put here to do. Paul describes it in Romans 1. They are filled with all manner of unrighteousness, evil, covetousness, malice. They are full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, maliciousness. They are gossip, slanderers, haters of God, insolent, haughty, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents. And that one gets in there too. Uh, Foolish, faithless, heartless, ruthless. Though they know God's righteous decree that those who practice such things deserve to die, they not only do them but give approval to those who practice them. This is, this is a, a horrible picture. And it's almost like there's this path of the path of glory set before them, but because they're unwilling to walk on it, they have to take every other path. And are just left to, to wander in the dark and to pursue life and every sin before them desperately trying to fill themselves up but the, everything comes out empty and just enslaves and ensnares and deceives. All right. Now I ask you, all of you, believers and non-believers, is that how your life feels at times? that you're kind of just ravenously going after whatever desire happens to pop into your head and one minute you're, you're shopping, then you're looking for food, then you're looking for entertainment and comfort and it's just the next thing and running, 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 running and what more can I fill myself up with? It's telling that in Ephesians, at the end of all of these great pictures of the Christian life, it says, that you might be filled with all the fullness of God. That is the beautiful picture of the Christian life, that you would be filled and full and content and to know who you are and to know where you stand and what your purpose is. You might know the, the height and depth and breadth and love of Christ 
you know, I know the glory that you've been called to and the power that resurrects you from the dead. All the fullness of God. We are not called to be that people who is just flitting about from every sin and every desire. Just looking into the chasm of our our need and our desire. And just desperate to fill it. That is not how we came to know Christ. And that is where Paul takes us. He calls us back to how we came to know Jesus Christ. And that coming to know Jesus sets us free from that life. Verse 20. But that is not the way you learned Christ. Assuming that you've heard about him and were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus. Now Ephesians has been very clear of what it means to come to know Christ. And what what happens to us as we come to him. It's this movement from being alienated for God to become his people. That you are now his, his possession, his beloved, the apple of his eye. What is he saying? Why would you want to live any longer as people who are alienated from God? Who are cut off from all of his goodness and holiness and righteousness? Who are cut off from the beauty of the life that has been offered to you? Why would you want to still live as if God has not revealed all of this truth to you? Live as ones who are still cut off, still in the dark. That's not how you came to know Christ. When you came to Christ, you came to know that you are beloved, that you are united to him. And he opened up this world where you can have a relationship with God. Not freedom to sin. He talks about being dead in your trespasses and sins and to come to know the life that is in Christ. All right, I'm from California, Southern California, and there's lots of beautiful things there. There are also rattlesnakes. All right, all right. So, uh, what happens? What happens when a rattlesnake venom hits blood? All right. Have you seen the videos where they do this? All right, it's like a, a bowl of blood, and they, they squeeze the venom into it. And what does it turn to? It turns into like a block of jello. And you can just plop it out, and there it is. It's like rubber. All right, it just instantly like coagulates your, the blood, and so the liquid turns to solid. That's what happens. And so you get bit, and just like slowly starts to solidify your veins until you die. All right. Now, what happens? Your, your dog gets bit, and so uh, you run off to the nearest fire station, you get an antivenom. All right, you better do it quick, or else you're going to die. Your dog's going to die, you're going to die. All right. Now, that venom is death. And you are saved from death by the antivenom. All right. How dumb would it be to then run out and say, how many times do you think I can get bit by a rattlesnake? <laughs> and start cramming your head in every hole you can find and flipping over logs and laying in there. And All right. It's death. It's death. 
And being freed from it doesn't make it any less death. But that, that is what it looks like to run after a life still of sin. Like, oh, I, I was saved from this. I almost died. But why not just enjoy it? As, like, what is there to enjoy? You want a coagulated heart? No. I don't think you do. That is the reality of, of like, in coming to know Jesus, you came to know the evil of sin and the death of it and the wrath of God against it and that it offered you nothing but slavery to Satan himself in a kingdom of death. Don't keep running after it. All right. You came to know Christ as ones who are loved. The love of Christ. That you have this God who saw you as enemies, as haters of God. And he longed for relationship. He longed to, to draw near to you, but your sin was in the way. And so in his great love, he sent Jesus Christ. The Son took on a human nature so that he might suffer, be mocked and humiliated, might be naked and ashamed, nailed to a cross, murdered on that cross for your sin. You might be given the resurrection life that is found in Christ, all for love and nothing that you have done. Does that not show you the love of God? Do you see it? Do you feel it? If that's how you came to know Christ as this one who loves you, why would you want to stray from the path? Why would he not lead you on a path that is for your good and leading to, to things that are just filled with his riches of kindness and love and grace towards you? If you came to know Christ as this lover of your soul and as your savior, surely you can trust him to walk. You've been given a crown and royal robes and a throne and a scepter. And, all right, why do we want to go live in the slums and the back alleys? instead of living in the, in the kingdom and dwelling in the throne room. Right. That is not how we came to know Christ. That is not who we are in Christ. That is not a life of freedom and of bliss. If we came to know it once, let us continue to walk in it. Right. And so, Paul is saying, leave that life behind, and instead, we are called, the Ephesian church is called, believers are called, to put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to put on the new self, created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. All right, this is a little weird. Because this is a clothing analogy. Which is saying, okay, if, you, if you're a believer, put on new clothes. But the clothing are not this external thing. It, the clothing is actually 
a whole new person. It's a whole new identity. And so when we talk about clothing, we think like, oh yeah, you just like put on this superficial stuff. But he's saying, no, it's, it's, it's a lot more than that. It's put on your whole new self that is in Christ. What does that mean? Uh, as I try to think about this, if you are in Christ, you are a new creation. You are. There's no ifs, ands, or buts. That's just the, the truth of who you are by faith in Christ. You're a new person who's declared holy. You are adopted. All of these things. You are the temple. But it seems that you can walk in that reality or not. And every day you can either put on that identity and live like that identity is actually true of you or you can put on the old dead clothes of your old identity and walk around as if those things are true. And so before you is a choice to, to live as royal children in holiness and righteousness, to walk the path of life, or to be deceived by sin and believe the lies about who you are in your sin and walk as that old dead corpse and to put that on and live under it. That's what we're talking about. And he's saying, which, which one do you want to wear every day? Which one sounds nice? Now, I do remind you that the clothing doesn't make the man. So yes, you can live as these two identities, but if you are in Christ, you, you are the royal child. You are the one who is righteous and holy. But your life will look very different, clothed in these two different ways. You will smell very different. The weight on your shoulders will be very different. When you look at yourself in the mirror, you'll see a very different person looking back at you. And will you see the, the child loved and lavished in grace, reflecting the image of God in righteousness and holiness? Or will you see the dead corpse with maggots falling from your ears and and reeking of death. That's what he's saying. Which one, which one do you want to clothe yourself in? Right. Who wants to go dig up some grave clothes and put them on? All right, we can all go right now. Go down to the cemetery and, and get some new outfits. All right. Or get new bodies, because those seem great. That's the weirdness that he's talking about. He's saying that, that is how weird and strange that would be. So put off the one and put on the other. Be renewed in the spirit of your minds. He says the Holy Spirit, he's going to help you think differently. Remember you used to be futile in your thinking? And when you thought about what was right and what was good and thought about your identity and thought about sin, uh, you got everything wrong. Now he's saying the Holy Spirit actually comes 
and think. Think well. Think about who you are. Think about the implications of, of what you're doing. Think about whether or not these things are actually true of, of the person that you are in Christ. Think of whether you are pursuing life or death. Consider whether this is embodying that you are loved and have lavish grace and the riches of kindness are upon you and that you stand to inherit all of eternal blessings of Christ because his inheritance is given to you. Think. Think well. Be renewed in your thinking. Be renewed in the way you think about yourself and put on the new self. Let him reveal to you what sin actually is. Let him reveal to you the height and breadth and depth and width of the love of Christ. Let him reveal to you the glories that stand before you, all of these things. All right. Now I'm going to end with three, three questions. Three questions first. How natural is this going to feel? It's a good question. I came up with it, so I think it's good. Um, <laughs> that's what you should be asking. Um, all right, how, how natural is it going to feel to walk in this new way of life and to, to clothe yourself in this way? All right, if you've been a zombie corpse for a long time, it's going to feel really strange. And to put on royal garments and to put on a new self and a new life, it'll feel weird. That's Okay. If you're a new believer and you're like, well, I'm supposed to like just live this whole new life and it's, yeah, it's going to feel 100% different than your old life. And, and you're going to realize that oh, 99% of your choices before were wrong. And it's going to feel really weird to do things like, like uh, pursue goodness and righteousness and holiness. Like, I never did that before. All right. If it feels unnatural, that's Okay. You lived under death for a long time. And some people are like, well, no, if it feels unnatural, then I just shouldn't do it. No. Put on the clothes that you've never worn before and, and live as children of God. That is not hypocrisy. That's not faking it till you make it. That's living like the thing that God says is true, as living it in your life. And as you wear that, it's going to become more and more normal and feel more and more natural. All right. Does that make sense? All right. If you say no, I'm not going to keep talking. So uh, <laughs> you can talk afterwards. All right. Okay. So uh, next one. Are you supposed to actually do anything? Are you supposed to actually do anything with this? Remember, these are commandments. So Yes. All right, too often it's like, well, no, it's a, you can't actually do any, if they're commandments, they're, you're supposed to do them. And we're called to, to put on and to put off actively. All right, too often we think about back to our old life and we think, well, no, I was futile and I was dead and I couldn't choose good and so I still can't. No, no. The whole point was that they were changed now. We've been given the minds of Christ. We, we have been revealed what, what the plan is. and So choose and think and do these things. All right, nothing more frustrating than a sermon where the people are like, 
I just hope the Holy Spirit gets to work soon. (laughs) No! Uh, You can work because he is working already. And he's going to work. And so, like, pray and think about the truth and consider and weigh options. Be like, is this life or is this death? And like, oh, like, ask people about it and get wisdom and read your Bible and see what it says. And wow, that's not what I thought. I should go pursue life. Do stuff. All right? There, there, do not slap this kind of fancy holy card and say, you know what? No, by, by just... Submitting to his grace, I'm more holy. No, you're more rebellious. And you're being lazy. And we all are, and we all want excuses, and that's just us closing our eyes again. Uh, All right. Do you do anything about this? Yes. All right. Uh, Finally, what if you fail? What if you fail? And you find yourself waking up every day, putting on your dead clothing, and living a life of sensuality, and you're just not getting anywhere. All right. The problem is that that person, what that person always does, is they think, well, then I must not be a Christian. And all the things that are true of Christians aren't true of me. And then they think, well, I'm, I'm just a Gentile who's just going to hell and, and who doesn't know anything. And so I might as well just walk in it. All right, that is the opposite of how we should be thinking. The fact that you're walking in this way doesn't change who you are. And the problem is not that you aren't who you are. The problem is you've forgotten who you are. And you need to go back and remember, who am I? Who am I in Christ? Oh, right, I am loved with an immeasurable love that is high and deep and wide and and I have been chosen to be holy and blameless before God, not because of myself, but by faith in Christ. And it has nothing to do with my works, so I'm not any less love now than I was before. The, The great irony is that those people who need to hear the truth the most close their ears to it because they think, no, it cannot apply to me. I'm too sinful. That is the great lie. Believe what is true. Live out of your identity in Jesus Christ. Believe that you are that new person and then walk in it. And if you, if you do not know Christ, put your faith in him. Receive the new life that is found in him. There is so much love and grace and mercy and life that he wants to lavish upon you with the free gift of grace. Let us pray. Father, We thank you for the life that you have called us out of if we have put our faith in Christ. And Lord, we confess that even being called out of it, we still live in it so often. We still put on those dead clothes and and run after anything but you. Father, would you change us? 
Would you renew our thinking? Would you give us the mind of Christ? Would you compel us with your love? Would you cause us to walk? Not as ignorant or futile, but putting on the very mind of Christ and seeing ourselves in light of who he has called us to be and made us in him. Thank you for forgiving us all of our sins. Thank you for not abandoning us to our false identity that we walk in so often. Father, would you free us to a life of likeness of you and and to righteousness and holiness. We praise you for all that you've done in Christ. And we ask that we might walk in it, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.